0: listening to the Long Hollow Young Adults podcast. We are the Young Adults Ministry at Long Hollow Church, located in Hendersonville, Tennessee. If you are interested in learning more about us or looking to attend one of our gatherings, you can follow us on Instagram at LHYoungAdults or visit longhollow.com for more information. And now, a message from our Young Adults pastor, Dylan Young. millions of people leaving the church right now. Well, a lot of leaders think it's because the world snatched us away, but I think that's a misinformed take. In fact, someone sent us a message that I think sums it up perfectly. Here's what they said. They told us to read the Bible. We did cover to cover a bunch of times. Then we listened to the words coming out of their mouths compared to their behavior. Then we realized they were all full of crap. Then we were done. Is this your story? Because it's definitely mine. Maybe you can relate to everything that God just said. I know it definitely applies to some in the room who have been hurt, and you don't really know what to do with it, Um, and it makes me think of a a time back in college, I had my first couple years I lived with just random roommates on campus, which honestly was was really good, and then after that first couple years, I kind of knew who I wanted to live with, and Uh, me and those three friends we found a house to rent together and it was it was awesome like it was the bromance you're thinking it was in your head right now we bought big old tv together to uh, watch football on like we did everything together we were on the same intramural football team and basketball team we worked out together we we did all of it together and uh somewhere along the way it's a long story but some of those friendships kind of got sideways and we reached a breaking point. Um, at one point, it was real early on when, when Rachel and I had just started hanging out and I was at her apartment and one of those guys called me and he said, hey, where's your truck? And I could tell by the way he said it, there, there was something up. And I said, it better be where I parked it. And I ended up going out to the parking lot. and I found a note sitting where my truck was supposed to be And it was a note from from those guys, and they sent me on a scavenger hunt to find my own truck. And each of the notes along the way had some real, I mean, honestly, not-so-subtle jabs at me. Um, And I ended up finding my truck on the top of the parking garage on campus and um, with one final hurtful note on the truck then. And that was, for one, it was the night Rachel that was probably good for us because she saw, okay, when Dylan gets really angry, he's just really quiet. Um, but, man, that hurt. I didn't, I didn't know what to do with that. It, these were guys I loved. These were guys that uh, I had spent years developing a friendship with. And like I said, it's a long story, but it had gotten to a point where they, they intentionally did something that, that really hurt. And... Uh, I didn't know how to go back to that house and like walk through the front door and because and, that, that house that I loved had suddenly become so unfamiliar and so uncomfortable and it no longer felt like a home. And I know for some of you, that is how you felt in your relationship with the church. Maybe you've been in the church your whole life, but there's been something that's happened along the way that caused you to think, man, how, how do I even go back in those doors? What do I do with these relationships I've had for years? And that's what we're gonna focus our time on tonight um, is is church hurt and the hypocrisy that it comes from. And really what I wanna do tonight is, I I want to acknowledge that hurt that you've experienced that's been caused by people in the church. And I want you to see what Jesus thinks about that hypocrisy. Um, And I wanna show you a way forward. And I want you to see from the pages of the Bible what the church ought to look like. Because I know that for some of you, that hurt that you felt that has come from people in the church, that's the very thing that started you down a road of deconstruction. Uh, And and you may be real far down that road. You may be just beginning that. Wherever you're at, I I hope tonight will be encouraging to you um, as we acknowledge acknowledge the ways that you've been hurt. So my, my first thought for the night is simply this, hypocrisy hurts people. Hypocrisy hurts people. And there's, there's no way around it. Um, and the first thing I want to do, if you find yourself in that place where you, where you have been hurt by some of the time, I've heard people, y'all talking to me about it tonight, um, is if I can offer an apology on behalf of the church. Uh, I hope it wasn't me that hurt you, but um, I hope it's an apology that maybe you can start to find some forgiveness from Um, Whether it was something small that just caused you to lose some trust in the church or something pretty major that scarred you, that still hangs over your head today, I am sorry that that happened, and that is not representative of Jesus. Um, It shouldn't have happened, and I'm sorry that it did. You don't have to go back far in time, even within our own denomination, to find uh, cover-up situations where, where sexual abuse was tried I tried to cover that up, a financial scandal. You can find people who have told things that were said to them in confidence. Um, You can find people who blatantly lied to gain positions. And that stuff is not okay. That does not represent Jesus well. That is not how he would have handled those situations. And one thing I want you to hear me say is I totally understand. If you've experienced that stuff, if you've seen it and it has caused you to be turned off by the church, I get it. That actually makes a lot of sense. Um, I think the, the hardest thing about this series, so far at least, has been just reading people's stories and, and hearing them talk about, I mean, especially one I read today. Um, just, man, people experiencing stuff they shouldn't experience in any setting let alone the church. Uh, the hardest thing has been hearing people's stories of walking away from the church and getting to the end of the story and having to be like, I get it. I understand why you walked away. makes a whole lot of sense. And, and part of my push for us tonight is just to say to those of us who are believers, y'all, we, we gotta do better. That, that can't be how people experience Jesus, I mean, it can't be in a hurtful way. Um, and I think about two of my friends that I, again, was in college with. Their, their dad was a pastor, and they now, neither of them would call themselves believers, and, and they actually really embrace it. Um, not because of anything their parents did. Their dad was a great guy, but because of how the church treated their dad. And it's just like, man, that is... That is so frustrating. That people who claim the name of Jesus would would hurt each other. And, and I don't know, I, it's just, it's hard to understand. It's hard to wrap our minds around. And you know, we all live in hypocrisy to some extent at, at various times. I mean, we've got to face this I and mean, realize that when people say they've been hurt by the church, like we can't just ignore that. We can't wish it away. We gotta take it. And we've gotta listen and be willing to repent when that stuff comes up. So those who work in the church, we're called to a really high standard as we should be. And you should hold me and Connor and Carrie just within this ministry. You should hold us to really high standards. You should have high expectations of us. Um, and it, it means a lot to me that I feel like by you showing up, you've put some trust in me. And I, and I really don't take that lightly. So I, I wanna make sure you know in Scripture what the laid out expectations are of a pastor. And Paul writes to his kind of apprentice, his protege, Timothy, who Timothy was the pastor at the church in Ephesus. And he lays out for him, hey, here's what an overseer should look like. So I wanna put that up for you. It's in First Timothy 3. And you can read this along with me. Just as this, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, so overseer, we can substitute that word elder or pastor there. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. An overseer therefore must be, a, these are, this is what you hold me to, y'all. Must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy. He must manage his own household competently, have his children under control with all dignity. And he gives a clarifying statement there because that can get twisted. Uh, in verse five, it just says, "If anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church?" I think he's just saying, "Like, look, if your if your home life is a mess, well, then we probably don't need to entrust you with a whole church of people." It's not a not that you need to have control over your kids, if you if you get what I'm saying. Verse six: He must not be a new convert, or he might become conceited and concur, incur the same condemnation as the devil. Yeah, we're probably guilty as the church of elevating people too quickly at times, and, it, and it's not a good thing for them to get too much, too much of a reputation too quickly when you're new to this thing. And verse seven, furthermore, he must have a good reputation among outsiders so that he does not fall into, distri- into disgrace in the devil's trap. So the same person you see here in the church ought to be the same person you see outside the church. If there's something in that list that you see me falling short in, I need you to tell me. And I know that can sound like just lip service, but I, I want to be open to that, open to correction. I need you to point things out on me so that, I, so that I don't end up doing something more hurtful in the future. Um, you, you have my attention, you have the right, and maybe even the responsibility to to point those things out in me if you see it. I would love to listen to you um, if there's something that comes to mind in that list. Um, but we know church hurt doesn't just come from pastors, it comes from the people just in the church, uh, the church members. Um, and if you've, been, if you've been hurt by anyone in this church or in another church, I just want you to know, uh, I, I hope this will be a place that you can bring that and voice it and be listened to. I hope you would find this place, a place that won't um, downplay it or, or push you to the margins, but that will listen and man try to make reconciliation and, and help you do that. Because we, we need our shortcomings pointed out. If we're ever gonna learn and grow, we, if, we're, if we're gonna grow at all, you got to know where you need growth. Um, so we need that stuff pointed out. Um, if, you've, if you're one who has been hurt, we, we need you to speak up so that we can do better. Um, And and Christian, we we need to wake up and just realize that our sin doesn't just affect us. You You need to know that when you fall into the sin of hypocrisy of claiming to be a follower of Jesus and living a certain way, but when you don't, and it doesn't just affect you, people see it, people feel it, and it affects their view of Jesus. We need to... Make sure we understand the responsibility that we have as representatives, as disciples of Jesus. And, and listen, I know, it's, I know it's hard to separate what someone has done to you and how you feel about Jesus if that person is, is a follower of Jesus. I know it's hard to separate those two things, but if that's you, that's what I, I want to challenge you with tonight is to try to do just that, um, is to... You, you don't want somebody to judge you based on somebody else's actions. Like if my dad makes some shady business deal, I don't want you distancing yourself from me because of what he did. Even as closely associated to my dad as I am, I would hope you wouldn't push me away because of something he did. So that's my, that's my push for you tonight. If you If you find yourself distancing yourself from Jesus because of what one of his followers did I know it's hard, but I want you to try to seek Jesus and look to him and see how he lived and not judge Jesus based on what that person did to you. And we'll talk about how to do that as we, as we keep going on, but um, you, you, may, you may notice throughout this message, I'm trying to really specifically include, <laughs> I'm trying to speak specifically if you've been hurt by a person in the church, because honestly, the phrase church hurt is a little bit of a misnomer. You can't be hurt by building the church, right? But you can be hurt by a person or a group of people within the church. And in order to ever move past some kind of hurt, in order to seek reconciliation, in order to try to forgive an action, you're gonna gonna have to be willing to name the person and the action. If you, if you keep it at this broad, I've been hurt by the church, that's gonna be real hard to come back from if you're not willing to actually say what happened and who did it. Um, even, even if you don't actually address that person, I think it's a really good idea for you to tell somebody, name what happened, when it happened, be specific with it. Don't just leave it at a general, I've been hurt by the church. Because reconciliation can start when we actually name the wrong that was done. Um, so if you've, if you've been hurt by the church, I do want to say this to you, especially if you're not somebody who would call yourself a follower of Jesus. If you've been hurt and you've been frustrated by hypocrisy that you've seen, you probably have way more in common with Jesus than you realize. And let's think about it. (laughs) I want to show you what his attitude was like towards hypocrisy, towards hypocrites themselves. So for, I mean, if we get right to it, y'all, the people who, pushed for his execution, the people who got him killed were the religious leaders of the day. That's a pretty big situation of church hurt, I would say. Um, So what what were Jesus' attitudes? What were his words like towards the hypocrites that he encountered? And over and over again, it's not just Jesus, but we see throughout the Bible that religious people are called out by God, they're called out by the prophets of their day, for not following Jesus in a consistent manner. And Jesus is no exception in this. He he saved his harshest words for people he saw living a hypocritical lifestyle. So John 2 is one example. John 2, 13 through 17. Listen to these words. The Jewish Passover was near, so Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling oxen, sheep, and doves, and he also found the money changers sitting there. After making a whip, you know, think about what he does here. He's walking... If Jesus walks into the church and does this, he's causing a major scene. Verse 15, after making a whip out of cords, he drove everyone out of the temple with their sheep and oxen. He also poured out the money changers' coins and overturned the tables. He told those who were selling doves, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. And his disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. He is consumed with zeal to get rid of the hypocrisy that he sees in his father's house, the church. Luke 17 verse two, here's what he says about the hypocrite he's encountering there. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than for him to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Those are strong words towards hypocrisy. Matthew 23, verse 27 and 28. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of the bones of the dead and every kind of impurity. In the same way, on the outside, you seem righteous to people, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. If you don't like hypocrisy... You and Jesus have a lot in common. If stuff that you've seen in the church frustrates you because it doesn't line up with Scripture, Jesus is frustrated by it too. He agrees with you on that. And that's what I want you to maybe start to see. Start to see Jesus in a different light than what has happened or what you've seen in the church. And if you've been wronged by someone in the church, you deserve better. Um, and if you are a follower of Jesus, man, we need to do better, right? There's always room for improvement in our walk with the Lord. Um, because I, I think if we actually lived the way Jesus expects us to, think about that. If we actually lived the way Jesus did, and the way he would tell us to live today, I think we might stop repelling people from the church, and we might start actually drawing people in. Call me crazy, but I think that might happen if we started to seriously live that way all day, every day. I think that might happen. I think people might start being drawn in. So we need to know what the standard is. Like, what is this life that Jesus actually calls us to? Um, and, and that's where we need to move next. And as we move into this next section, looking at the way Jesus lived and the way he tells us to live, I just wanna say if you're, if you're someone who has been hurt, but you're trying to hang on to your faith, I'm inviting you in this next part to examine Jesus for himself. I so empathize with the hurt that you felt from that person or from those people. Just be mindful that in that moment, in that time that they hurt you, they were not following Jesus's example when that happened. They were not following Jesus's example in that moment. Um, And if if you are normally someone who more stands outside the church, pointing fingers at the hypocrisy in the church, I get it. My invitation for you for the rest of this message is to invite you in to the pages of the Bible to see who Jesus is and who he was rather than just what you see in his followers from time to time. So... What I, want to, what I have seen as I have studied the, the overarching thing, everything falls under this, is that disciples of Jesus ought to be characterized by love. Disciples of Jesus ought to be characterized by love. Honestly, it could be as simple as that in large part. If that was the mindset we operated in, it would take care a lot of a lot of problems. And thankfully, Jesus doesn't leave us just to, to figure out what that looks like on his own. And, and I've seen up close and personal what it looks like when people don't have direction. Um, and you guys will get here someday and you'll get to experience this too. But when your four-year-old is playing baseball for the first time, that is chaos because they don't know what's going on. They're, they're, they're I mean, they got every parent and every coach yelling at them at one time. So they can't actually hear anybody so they're making it up on their own as they go. And just for the record, Ford's last game is tonight, and I'm missing it, just to hang out with you guys. So you should feel pretty special. Uh, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if that's a good thing that that gets applause or not. But uh, but y'all, this, it's one of the most entertaining things you could ever experience, because they don't know what they're supposed to be doing. So kids run from second straight to home base. They just totally skip third. Ford, honestly, is either sitting or laying in the right field grass more than he's standing in it. I mean, it's constant that a ball goes right past the kid as he watches it. Kids are in the wrong dugout and have no clue they're not even with their team. It's wild. It's pretty entertaining. There was a kid Saturday who got to second base. He got a good hit. He got to second. He just lays over the base and just starts gathering dirt around the base. Like, this kid doesn't even have a clue. He's playing baseball right now just because they're so new to it, they have no direction. When you're four, baseball's a complicated sport and and they're trying to figure it out. So our hope for Ford this baseball season has been that he learns to enjoy the game, that he has fun, and just that he starts to learn it a little bit, that he starts to get some of the direction, he starts to learn some of the rules and what's supposed to be happening out there. Because when you don't understand what's going on, chaos ensues and it's no different in the real world, right? And we don't actually have direction and then we're just aimlessly walking and trying to live this life. And thankfully, Jesus gives us clarity on how we ought to live. This is important, by his words and by his example. Jesus gives us that clarity on how we're supposed to live by his words and his example. Because praise God, he doesn't, he doesn't live in hypocrisy. So last week we said, if you're going to deconstruct, you gotta do it with a goal in mind. We don't just tear things down just to tear them down. We deconstruct in pursuit of Jesus. We deconstruct in order to make our lives look more like Jesus. That's, that's how we do this thing. We don't just deconstruct, just to deconstruct. Um, so thankfully, um, Jesus' words and Jesus' actions line up and He actually gives us a person who is worth following. So I said we ought to be characterized by love. Why do I say that? Well, because it's all over the New Testament. His words are filled with this idea let me show you a few examples. He's been asked what the most important command is, what the greatest command is, Matthew 22, verse 37. And Jesus said to them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. So we love the Lord, there's, there's part of the aspect of love. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Love him how you would want to be loved. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. So. Two most important commands, love is the key to both of them. John 13, 34 and 35, I give you a new command, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Unfortunately, I don't think that's what people would say a lot of times a day, they, the church gets such a bad reputation at times that people would say, oh, I know you're a disciple of Jesus because you vote a certain way or, I mean, you know, fill in the blank with examples. They should be saying, I know you're a disciple of Jesus because you have how you love the people around you. We haven't gotten it yet. He reemphasizes it just two chapters later in John, John 15. As the father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command, says it again. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this than to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. This is what I command you, love one another. Do we get the point of what he's trying to say? Three times there in one conversation, it's love one another. Um, That is what we ought to be characterized by. Now, maybe you want that expanded a little bit. We just get one word love there. Okay, so Jesus came, he showed us how to live. What did he leave us with? He left us with the Holy Spirit who then leads us in how to live how he did. If you need a little bit of expansion on love, we get the fruits of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, so if the Spirit is leading us now, he's leading us to do things Jesus would do. He's leading us to display characteristics of Jesus. What are those fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Maybe it would be a good idea for you to go home and do inventory, just looking at that list right there. We actually did that in one of our team meetings not long ago. We put these up on the board. and said, man, which one of those do I feel like I'm doing okay in? And which one of those am I not displaying well right now? Maybe an exercise for you to do later. The next time you spend some time with the Lord, just take that list and ask God to point out where you're falling short a little bit. Because we, we don't want to fall into that hypocrisy that leads somebody down a path where they start to walk away from the church. We don't want to do that. I know that's nobody's intention. So let's make sure we're doing a good job taking inventory of, of our behavior. So love is what's commanded. We see these fruits of the Spirit. So what did that actually look like when Jesus lived it out? So Jesus is love. He's telling us to love. So what did the, when he actually lived, when he actually performed uh, actions, when he did anything, what did that look like for him? Okay, here's, here's this is not exhaustive by any means. These are just things that I, in a, in a brief scan of the gospels that were highlighted to me. He wasn't a hypocrite, big deal. Everything he taught, he lived. He spent time with the outcasts of society. He intentionally crosses social, racial and gender lines. He stood up for the one being shamed by religious leaders. He was humble, constantly looking for ways to serve others. He loved his enemies. He told the truth. He wasn't greedy, man had no money with him. And his love of God actually raised the bar (laughs) the way he loved God Raise the bar for the rest of us in the way we live out our morality. You see things in the the Sermon on the Mount, like you've heard it said, do not murder. But I say, don't even be angry. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. I say, don't even look at someone lustfully. Jesus' love for God raises the bar for us in how we ought to live. That's the type of love he displayed in y'all. What it could look like if we actually lived all this stuff out. If the church, if we all lived the way Jesus desires us to, I want to live in a world like that. Like who wouldn't want to live in a world that that's the type of stuff we see in people, right? Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, who doesn't want to live in that world? Y'all, if we would do it, I think people might start to be drawn to Jesus because they start to see a little bit of Jesus in us. And there's actually... One more aspect of Jesus's love that I haven't gotten to yet and that makes it all that much better. And the last thing that I've thought about with his love is the aspect of forgiveness. That is not something that we see a lot of in culture at large, it's just forgiveness. Because here's, even in all of his harsh words towards hypocrites, right? He also says this in Luke 23. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Mm. In all of our frustration, in all the ways that it, that it makes us boil on the inside when we see hypocrisy, it did the same thing for Jesus. He hated it too. And at the end of the day, he can pray and genuinely ask the Father to forgive them. He saw the hypocrisy, he hated it, but he let it break his heart to the point of actually wanting Forgiveness for that person. And listen, that's, we can talk about cancel culture some other time, right? Like that's the extreme of lack of forgiveness. That's a whole other conversation. I think we could actually do a better job of forgiveness when we actually do forgive. And here's what I mean. I was watching, uh, we had a, it's a reality TV show on that was on the other day, and we saw there was a situation where one person genuinely came and apologized to another person. And it was, it was a cool moment, like it was, I feel like you don't really see that very often. But so this person, one person came and apologized and the, and the person who was wronged, their, their response struck me for a couple of reasons. For one, because I realized that's what I do when somebody apologizes to me. But I realized it's, it was kind of a false forgiveness, if you will. So this person apologized for doing something and the person responded saying, man, don't worry about it, no big deal. And I thought, that's, that's how I respond if somebody ever responds to me. I'm, I'm thinking about any time Rachel has responded to me. That's what I want to say is, don't worry about it, babe. It's no big deal. It's fine. And what I want to propose to you is that, is that is kind of a false forgiveness where we just try to, we just say, ah, it never happened. And, and what I want to say to you is I think there's a better way for us to do forgiveness. I think it would be better if we actually followed Jesus' example and said the words, I forgive you. And I know I'm tempted to not do that with Rachel sometimes because it can almost feel like, well, if I'm forgiving you, I'm like on this pedestal above you, looking down on you for the the wrong that you did to me. And that's not how I want to come across. I think we do it out of a genuine desire to, to not hurt the other person. But man, I think it would be better if we do forgiveness in a way that says, look, this really happened. The thing that hurt me, it really happened. But you know what? I forgive you. I'm not gonna hold it against you and I'll never bring it up again. That feels different to me than just saying, man, don't worry about it, it's no big deal. I think think forgiveness could be a much bigger deal in the church and maybe in culture at large if we actually said the words, I forgive you, like Jesus does to us. Because forgiveness is actually, thankfully, the good news of the story I started telling you at the beginning of tonight. I had gotten to a place a few years later where I was back on good terms with two of my roommates, but there was one that I still wasn't even speaking to. And this this something went on for a few years. I kept feeling like, man, I've got to call and try to make things right with this guy. And I I never did it. Um, And thankfully, he called me. And I was thankful for it on the back end because I couldn't take any credit for, for how it happened. But he called me and he just apologized. He apologized for stuff he had done. Um, and we are actually really good friends today. I talk to him weekly. Honestly, he's one of my closest friends, and he was the one that I was the furthest from. That's that's good news when we can find forgiveness in a situation where somebody was hurt, was wronged. It's good news in that story. It's the good news of the Bible, too. Uh, I hope you're hearing the connection here. Uh, The Bible is a story about how none of us live up to the standard We've all lived in hypocrisy in ways at times. We've all fallen short of the glory of God and found ourselves at odds with God himself. But thankfully, there's one, right, who didn't live in any kind of hypocrisy. He claimed to be a follower of God, Jesus himself, and he lived it out perfectly and provided a way for us to find reconciliation with the Father. And it wasn't that God says, Ah, that stuff never happened. Your sin never happened. Don't worry about it. It's No, it did happen. But you know what? I'm gonna forgive you and I'm not gonna hold it against you. And because of that, now we're we're back in right relationship. Now, do we still fall into sin at times? Absolutely. But what we need to be doing is getting better and better at being in a rhythm of repentance. Let's be quicker and quicker to repent and be more and more sensitive to the spirit. And then we're gonna be quicker to repent and restore that that connection that we have with the Lord. Man, if we'll do that, I think things are gonna start to look different. I think if we would actually live the way Jesus tells us to, man, people would start to be drawn in to the church. I hope you agree with me on that. I think that's what would happen. I don't think Jesus led us to live in a way that would ever turn somebody away from him. I think if we would actually take him seriously and people would start to want what we have, that they would start to want the Jesus that we have. Um, so as we close, I, I wanna ask you just to bow for a second, because I know, I know this, a message like this could find you in a whole lot of different places. Maybe some of you have never experienced any kind of tur- hurt in the church at all, and, and that might be you, and that's totally fine. Um, go ahead and bow for me for just a second, and uh, uh, just in a posture of prayer if you want to, I want you to think about a few things. If you're, if you're the one who has seen hypocrisy from Christians and never even thought about following Jesus because of that, all I want to ask you to do tonight is just consider investigating Jesus for himself. Would you consider doing that? Take the, take, this, is my, this would be my encouragement, maybe my challenge for you, is if you would take the rest of this year we got just three months left in, in 2023. If you would take the rest of this year and walk through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four books in the Bible who tell us the story of Jesus. If you would read those, you can do it. If you do a chapter a day, you're done by the end of the year. Read those and ask God beforehand to just reveal himself to you as you read. Consider just investigating Jesus for himself rather than just judging him based off what you've seen in others? If you've been part of the church and you've been hurt in it, but you're trying to keep that relationship with the church, you don't really know what to do with it at the moment, you find yourself in a weird spot, would you consider seeking reconciliation with that person who hurt you? Would you consider bringing it up to them, not knowing how it's gonna go? And if it's a situation where you've either addressed it already or it it doesn't feel like something you can actually bring up i want you to start to pray and ask the lord to help you forgive anyways without that conversation so that you can get your relationship with jesus in a healthier place and if you're if you're a follower of jesus and you don't feel like you've been hurt you feel like you're kind of good on this message would you just take the time right now take just a moment to ask the Lord to bring to mind anything that possibly has hurt somebody else or any place where you might be living in some type of hypocrisy yourself. Let's be be open to having that pointed out in our lives. I just wanna pray over you as you do that, that the Lord will bring things to mind because y'all, I think if we, I want to live in a world someday and we will someday when we get to heaven, when we're in God's presence, but I wanna live in a world where we are rid of hypocrisy and church hurt is a thing of the past. And we'll get to do that someday, but man, I I want it now. So let's pray towards that end, that people would know that we are disciples of Jesus because of how we love and not by anything else. So God, I pray right now as you are bringing things to mind, as you are working on people's hearts to consider you. Or would you uh, break down whatever barrier that is there, Lord? Would you grant forgiveness? Would you grant reconciliation? Would you grant people success when they bring up a wrong to somebody? Would you? would you make us humble in this room? If somebody brings something to us, would we be quick to apologize? Would we be quick to repent and to try to make it right? God, more than anything, would you help us to be good representatives of you? Would we live out love in all areas of life? Holy Spirit, would you help us to do that in the days ahead? Jesus, we love you. We're thankful for the forgiveness and the salvation that we have through you. And we pray it all in Jesus' name.